Hey, Marcus. Yo. You know how there are, like, mad streaming sites? I do. And sometimes you're like, yeah, I do want to watch reruns of My Two Dads on YouTube, but actually I also kind of want to watch movies about undoing trauma and catch some flicks about nuanced ideas from talented, underutilized artistic cats? Sure. I know a spot. Ovid Ovid is back and taking names, and they are fresh out of bubblegum, my friend. Ovid is flipping this script like kids flip tables when they are upset about losing four games in a row of Magic the Gathering. Ovid, named after the Roman poet, not COVID, dummy, is different from other streaming platforms. Started with help from eight independent film studios, Ovid now streams over 800 titles, most of which can't be found anywhere else. For the faniness in our listening squad, Black Slin White Mask, starring Colin Salmon as Fano, is showing and I highly recommend it. And Ovid adds 20 to 35 new films a month, but unlike other services, it doesn't drop just as many. So just because it adds some, it doesn't drop. You know what I'm saying? Drop it like it's Scott. Thorough. They curate. It's complex. There's flavor profiles. Ovid is an alternative. And sometimes I'm getting the pronunciation wrong, but Ovid is all about, about getting rid of oppression, and pronunciation is a form of oppression. Peep Nam Chomsky. Ovid offers a free 14-day trial period. Afterwards, it's just $6.99 per month or $6.999 yearly. So head over to www.ovid.tv. They've just relaunched a new platform and design. Take a look and get started. Films from an independent world. Hey, Marcus. Yo. You like movies? Yes, I do. I like movies, too. This is Zebras in America podcast, episode 131. And guess who we have on the line? Who? Would you like to introduce yourself, my friend? Yo, yo. It's M. Tume. It is I. What's up, man? Welcome did back. You just take, did you just take <laughs> magic mushrooms or something before that? That was so weird. I said, it is I. I remember when we used to live together and we would watch like superhero movies before they were popular and yeah. we would like we would pretend wh- how we would act if we had magic <laughs> if we had powers and I yeah. remember like M. Tume, if you can control things with your mind what move would you do and it was this isn't a video podcast but I'm doing the the move that you showed me that you would do He's doing this like flick of the hand thing. Yeah, that I, I I probably did do that. That's probably pretty accurate. It's, it's, it's pretty accurate memory rendering of what I probably suggested if I had superpowers. Yeah, that's what we were practicing. There was definitely a time when I was going through it where I believed that I could create a codex, an amulet talisman in my hand by drawing a circle and pulling the light out of it. Um, I don't. But we're there. That I mean, anymore. come on. I, I feel like every kid of our generation tr- at least tried it out in their head. Like, come on, Marcus. I know you at least tried to move something with your brain at least once when you were like ten. Younger, yeah. I'm saying yeah. when I was 25. Yeah. When I was 25, dude, I was trying to pull magic out of my palms, bro. I think that's something so much of, of our generation. I, I def- this isn't yeah. so much a superpower. I do remember being like five and six, being convinced like. 
I know I can see myself in the mirror with my eyes. I, I know I can. Like, I kept, like, trying to close and open my eyes real fast. Not exactly a superpower. Although, if, yeah. I could, if one could do that, that is a superpower. But Yeah, like, try to catch your us version in the mirror. Right. Also, yeah. uh, and to me, it's always good to have you on. If, always if good you to be guys back. are listening, If you guys are listening presently, we are safely quarantining in the COVID world. So, we are socially distancing doing this through a different platform hope all y'all are staying safe and being good to yourselves being kind to others and being excellent to each other and uh obviously black lives matter always um also yeah so and hopefully you're listening to the future from the future also which means that the world still exists because we want the world to exist how else can we make it a better place and you know upend a lot of problematic institutions in the world. Just saying. And it's nice to have you on M2May because I I don't have the count, but I think it's either you or Saskia who have the most guests on the show. Uh, we've been having the wonderful Jake Lenberg doing some analytics for us and, and updating the algorithms to make us betterly searchable. Uh, I sent him a T-shirt. He looks great in it, and we might be working. <laughs> yeah. We might be working with a director that that rhymes with Matrick Mormath on a new T-shirt design. Oh, um, very nice. I like that. Yeah, I, Marcus and I were talking to him about that. Was that yesterday, Marcus? That we were talking about well, it? yesterday and the day before. It's been going yeah. on for like two days, but yeah. Yeah. So that's something we're in the works on, and. Uh, another person that I, that I would like to do a print with one day, uh, Ronald Wimberly. I've been trying to get back on the show to oh, talk about yeah. a bunch of stuff, and but he's just like really busy being being awesome and working on art, and and uh, he has a comic book that before all this happening was being turned into a movie directed by a director that we're going to be talking about today, uh, Spike Lee. I believe today we will be tackling Spike Lee's The Five Bloods, yeah. um, Abel Ferrara's Tommaso, and the juxtaposition of those, in my opinion, of Almodovar's Pain and Glory, if we can get there. Mm-hmm. So, so sure. that's my that's my little spiel, and just a little intro, because sometimes I'm I'm told that we don't actually talk about movies; we just say the names of them, which is like whatever you know oh you beat but, me to saying it, it literally the same exact way you just said that was how i was gonna say whatever you don't talk yeah. about movies no yeah. sometimes people be movies. like some people like my friend my friend was like i was really excited to hear what you had to say about a magic story uh, a marriage story but you just said the name of the movie and then started about talking about the joker and i was like okay well i liked it sure. and you know, yeah. if if you're interested in Noah Baumbach, last week's episode is the closest ever to Marcus and I having an argument, and it was about Mumblecore. And let me <laughs> tell you, it was it was barely even close to an argument. Sure, it was it was it was just us talking about whether Shane Carruth's primer had Mumblecore leanings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Defy Bloods is Spike Lee's new joint for Netflix. 
the basic crux of the story is that a few black Vietnam veterans come back to Vietnam after some weather shows that they're able to find some treasure that they buried many years ago along with the remains of their friend and leader of their squadron. Uh, some of the actors you may know from from Spike Lee, from other Spike Lee movies and other television series, and and fun ensues if you want to call it fun. And you know, we've sort of agreed that it's got like a, it's sort of like badasses on the bayou meets platoon meets space cowboys. Yeah, uh, with, and, with with a touch of that of that documentary loot, which is essentially oh, without the racial aspect, it is kind of the five bloods. Literally, I mean, yo, it's, it's I've World never, War II I've always based, wanted, but, I've always wanted to see that documentary. Is it good, Marcus? Loot? You know what it is. Um, I think the best thing about that. I don't mean to sound messed up or sadistic, but the best thing about loot is that it shows these former soldiers and it actually it, it ties in really well to the five bloods also because it's like you know loot it's about these world war ii veterans going back to try to find like treasures and stuff that they buried which but was movie, big in world war ii that was a big thing yeah. in world war ii looted stuff mm-hmm. but it's like the, the 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 demographic the prototypical like white male world war ii veteran like they're not necessarily like championed it's like you know thank you for your service uh, but like it shows like kind of who they really are and i actually like that about it it's not this like super patriotic movie and i think that's really interesting it's kind of it, it, it's kind of a movie where i wish more people had seen it but i'm also glad it didn't get really past ifc because if it was in bigger theaters like the political right would be all over banning this movie and it would cause this whole hoopla because again these like these soldiers are not like super duper heroic in in what they're trying to do to some degree. So right, that's what I read about it. The review, it something I mean, I the trailer said, shows it. Yeah, the trailer was like how it was like supposed to be this this um taking kind of the the rosy colored glasses off of like the of the, of the quote unquote greatest generation. Sure. Yeah. Right. This idea yeah, but that. I... Go ahead. We're already sort of taking the rose-colored glasses off because the boomers have pretty much given us debt, violence, smog, yeah. the the destruction of the world. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to put anyone on blast in particular, but people's <laughs> like people's parents it, during this pandemic have been terrible. Like I'm telling you we've the the veil is off yeah well loot was made like was made like over a decade ago though right yeah it was like 2010 yeah Yeah, i think think it was like it was like in this period and i think it kind of ties into the five bloods which was part of the reason why i find the five bloods a little weird there was like this i think you know in that post kind of saving private ryan um, Ooh, 2008 i'm sorry yeah post saving private ryan even even thin red line Kind of well, Thin Red Line is World War One, right? I'm sorry. So was no, World War Two, no, World War Two, World War Two, right? World War II. Right. And Thin, in that thin kind Red of... Line, Thin Red Line is a good movie. Oh, I'm not. I'm not talking about positive or negative. I'm talking about right, the right. way that you, you you're characterizing. I think that generation of soldiers 
and the way World War II is kind of framed. You know what's funny about World War II? Not to make a huge digression. I once had a, I once was trying to pitch a story that I won't say what it is to a to a, a producer, like a, a historical story, and he told me he said no one cares about anything before World War II. He says World War II is like the historical like bottom point when it comes to like popular American narrative. It's the like it's like America. It's like mm-hmm. the America America's like greatness in my, unless you want to do like old America, like Revolutionary War or Civil War. Anything in between that, yeah. no one really cares. Like World War One is not really because, and it's because of like World War Two is seen as like the greatest generation, and then like Vietnam is like the you know the tragic generation, which I think is big into. And if I could just. If I could dip in real quick, and then you have like the, the Forgotten War, the Korean War, right? Which, which is like in, which in we nothing. always do. We always <laughs> jump from World War Two to Vietnam. We always do that. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, people it's don't know the Korean War exists. Like it's like it's yeah. in nothing. It's yeah. in or no that, movies practically. Yeah. Or that the Korean War has as much ramifications on our global climate than some of these other wars i mean totally the annexation of of korea which is incredibly pertinent to uh what is going on in the world right now is that war that we somehow totally forget about except um, mash shout out to robert altman mash yeah, is like yeah. the one well, you know but yeah. still one th- like one thing that and one. it was also a tv show but it's all yes. connected it's like one also, major thing mash arguably the greatest series finale of a television show Oh, I don't remember it. It's really fucked up, and it's really good. Is that the one and, where they all have, like, messed up dreams? Like, each one of them has, like, a different dream? Or am I just thinking of a random ep- ep- episode? No, it's... it's I, I don't want to... Even though, like, the show ended 30-something years ago, <laughs> I, I don't want to spoil the last episode, just in no. case... I just um, thought about that Chris Rock joke that he has. He said, "I haven't seen white people this obsessed since they since they canceled Mash." <laughs> and, Sorry, it was a funny know, joke. When it comes to war, I'm showing off these new uh, Deep Space Nine posters Yo. that my friend that my friend Jake's gave me for graduation. Um, Yo, those Deep, are dope. Deep Space Nine is my favorite Star Trek show. One because. Jake Sisko is the most interesting captain, and two, he was a father, and he was a single father, and most captains don't have that relationship in Star Trek series. And three, towards the end of the series, there's a war, and you're able to see what war does to Utopia, and they have a real, like, gray approach to it. Because wars are gray, whether you like it or not. And that's something that Spike Lee barely touches on in this movie. Like, it seems like the politics of the film were, were like, the third thing he thought about. Sure. I, I got to go back real quick. I was just going to say shout-out to Rene Auberjon, who... Auberjon was Auberjon who was also in... Who was in MASH also, so that's yes. a cool little... But anyway, the, but the politics of the Five Bloods. Because, like, the Five Bloods has some political undertones... But I feel like it was it was not the first thing that Spike Lee was trying to do. I think he was he was he was like I'm gonna make a caper movie and then sort of throw in some political ideas and some some things that are at the pulse of the zeitgeist right now. 
I but think... really, to me, to me, it was like an adventure film of of some, you know, where where an adventure film that probably smelled like Preparation H. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I get what you. So Scott, I think that was the end outcome. But just something tells me about Spike Lee that he really thought every aspect of the movie was equally addressed. Like I really thought he was coming with the political stuff, and I thought I, I feel like he thought he was clever with it, which I don't think like he was. Like Miracle at Saint Anna. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. A movie I don't. I'm, I'm not a fan of that movie. Um, it's bad actually, movie. Like I, I couldn't. I not don't even think, think of it. But I don't even even think Spencer's a fan of that movie. Which is weird. Uh, shout out to Spencer who does the Spike Lee podcast. Which is weird because he loves She Hate Me so much. I'm sorry. I'm not talking trash. I've said this directly to him before. I don't get. She hate one, me. How you like that movie? Period. She hate two, me is like better. Than... She hate me is better than Miracle at Saint Anna. That's not saying much, but you probably are right. No, it's like saying getting kicked. <laughs> it's like saying getting punched in the nuts is better than getting kicked in the nuts. Well, I'll say this: they're I both the better. Punch. They're both better than Red Hook Summer. Anything? Oh my God! Anything is. That's the. That is the down. And this, and of, and this is bad to have like three movies. You can say that about a director, but anyway, I, I, I'll, I'll let you keep going. Especially Marcus. because. <laughs> We can keep he's, going. It ain't just because, three, but I'm sorry. Anyway. Especially because it's a standard deviation, right? Like, yeah. they're, they're, I know sometimes we talk about like a guy like Peter Bogdanovich or something, like, or Spike Lee, where you have these high highs and very low lows. Yeah. Spike, Spike Lee has many highs. I realize I think Bamboozle is my favorite movie of his. That's sandwiched between like an era of his where he was making a lot of uh, duds. Yeah, and and some people argue that the past few movies of his have been have been duds. I did like the Sweet Blood of Jesus. Uh, I didn't care for Chirac. Big surprise. Um, oh, I forgot about yeah. It's yeah. Chirac, She Hate Me, and Red Hook Summer are all three just equally. I want nothing to do with all three of those movies. I, I, I remember. Really I remember when Chirac came out. Vlad from Vlad TV oh, was no. having. Was having uh, drill rappers from Chicago. <laughs> he was having them over to watch that movie. No, like, really? Yeah. He was trying to get it. He was trying. To, that's 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 oh, totally Vlad. That that, that no. man did something unscrupulous. Nah, no, that's I, I that's, just, that's that to- specific thing still throws me off. It's, it's like, totally Vlad it. trying to like bait Spike Lee into like coming on his show. It's oh. so oh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, so yeah. transparent. Like Vlad is such a bad. He's so so bad at trolling. It's ridiculous. Yeah, like, it is. It's, yeah, and, it is. and take a guess what Urbo thought about Chirac or any of these drill rappers. They didn't thought it was like boring. It. <laughs> yeah. They were like, "This is not my life." Well, it's a bad, disrespectful movie. It's a, it's a movie, and you know, this kind of goes into my my Defy Bloods issues. Like, it's a movie that. Spike uses something that actually is happening to mm-hmm. kind of use to talk about his own version of events and please his own I do think it's political but politics from the Spike Lee angle like I don't think Spike Lee is not like a political filmmaker say you know Globo Rocha he's not he's not a, a leftist okay. guy out here making films like that but he's a he's he being outspoken is part of Spike Lee's brand. And when I say outspoken, I put that in like 
you know, quotation. So being bombastic and making big statements about things is part of his brand. He can't not do it. Spike couldn't make subtle if he wanted to. He couldn't because he. I think he's so bought into his brand now. He has to do now, it. especially, especially sure. So like it, 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 and I think what happens now because I don't really think he's that as in touch with politics as he thinks he is. It comes off sloppy. Yeah, I agree. You know, I I wouldn't. I don't think that this would happen because of a lot of reasons. But um, what's that Lars von Trier sort of movie, The Five Whatever? Five Obstructions. Five Obstructions. So imagine he did The Five Obstructions with Do the Right Thing with Spike Lee. He would never do it. Yo, Where, like, well, it would never happen. I could totally, that's some shit Lars von Trier would try to pull. Just for, very, <laughs> imagine, for all yo. kinds of stuff. He'd want to just to tap into like the blackness. He'd want to try to get away with being taboo. It's it wouldn't happen. Let me be clear. It's not gonna happen. But I don't put that past Lars von Trier. I Can we go there for a second though? I Spike don't. Lee and Lars von Trier in Denmark, and yeah. and Lars von Trier is giving Spike Lee five different ways to remake like a couple of scenes from do from do the right thing. He makes him remake yeah. the he makes him remake the scene uh the the, the big climactic fight scene. <laughs> oh my god. But like, but, do, but dogma 95 style. He said, I right. I want you to do I'm doing a really bad Lars von Trier but I want you to do it spike um like uh a, an expressionistic art film. No plot. <laughs> yeah. Because he's, he's played with that in, in, in long before, like, Mandalay or Dogville. Lars von Trier has played with that N-word a little bit. And then I've seen in interviews. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A lot, so, because it, it, he made this, I'm, I'm using air quotes, this horror movie called uh, Epidemic. And in an inter- there's a line in it that includes the N-word with the hard E-R at the end. And in the interview, he's reciting that line back. And then he low-key smirks. And he's kind of doing that Tarantino thing where he's like, I'm not saying it. The character's saying it. Like, it's totally... <laughs> I, I, I could see through what the what the hell he was trying to do, but it's like, whatever. Well, it's like this. Um, Lars von Trier is a better director than Quentin Tarantino. Yes. Any day. And a worser person. Depends. Uh, potentially. Potentially. Hey, man, Tarantino knew about Weinstein for years, bro, and said nada. And who also knows this, this shit? And he almost killed Uma Thurman. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying they're good people. <laughs> right. No, they're both, they're, um, both, they're, they're, they're both shitty. I hear what you're I, saying, though, Scott. I guarantee you Lars von Trier, who somehow we've talked about two episodes in a row now, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that he would get a big kick out of seeing if he could get away with using the N-word in front of Spike Lee. Of course, and that would be he the would totally honestly. try. He would and totally then, and, try, and also be like, "What do you think about Mandalay?" Hmm? And then like, you after know. he says the word, he gets the cameraman to zoom in on Spike Lee's face. Like it would be like a moment from the office, essentially. Like, what did you just say? Like that kind of thing. The fifth obstruction would be, "I don't want you to do, do the right thing. I want you to remake the rape scene in Mandalay." He would right. do some shit like that. He would do that, or, and that's how or fucked he'd up be like, he is. Or, no, or he'd be like, I, I want you to not throw the trash can through the window. What, what, what would happen if you didn't throw the trash can? What if the like black people didn't shit? fight back and they just yeah. sat there 
and they just right. took it all from the whites. Yeah. That's some large so, shit. So the five bloods is <laughs> is you know a bunch of actors who are barely, if even, really old enough to be Vietnam War veterans. One show is absolutely up, not. Show up to Vietnam, and all the all the little tropes that you would think, like, it, are they are they going to accidentally step on a mine? Yes, it happens. Are they going to meet like the 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 bleeding heart liberal white people that are trying to make the world a better place? Yes. Does one of the characters have a long lost daughter that he didn't know about? <laughs> of course he does. Of course does. he does. <laughs> is 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 the is the person of questionable repute played by Jean Renault of questionable repute? You're goddamn right he is. Uh, <laughs> is does Delroy Lindo's main character who has a uh, Make America Great Again hat on? And clearly has PTSD, which is one of the few things that I think is taken care of pretty well in the movie. Uh, so bad at the internet that he's unable to hide his passwords from his HBCU uh, alumni son who shows up in the middle of the movie and has a will they or won't they with the white liberal who's trying to make the world a better place. Yes. Does... It's all there? Does... Spoilers... Does one of the characters in the middle of talking about how he's upset about where the team has gone through in the past 60 years, mind you, does he walk on a mine in the middle of it? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. he does. My my thing about the movie is, and, I, and I'm going to shut up for a little bit and let, let y'all, you know, tell me if I'm wrong or so, is the movie is fine. It's It's like a entertaining romp that's just okay and I enjoyed it. I laughed a couple times. I definitely shook my head a lot of times. I got I got sort of reprimanded at Marcus for calling them for talking about the formulaic qualities of the movie and then that allowed me to calm down and be like, wait, let me not let me just enjoy the movie and I enjoyed it for what it was. Shouldn't everybody, isn't true equity, true equality, everybody being able to make mediocre action movies? I, I have some, I have, I have a weird, yeah and no. Okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah and no. There's there's also this thing, there's something that filmmaker that, that, that I hear in the black community that I don't like. Uh, true black equality is us being able to make Weekend at Bernie's. I don't agree with that. No, no one should because, make Weekend at Bernie's, especially because, Weekend at Bernie's too, because that shit is racist as fuck. Because oh, I actually, I have a general, I, I have a certain general, not saying that there shouldn't be fun movies. I'm not talking about fun movies. Fun movies are great. But movies that are using real social world issues mm. to kind of exploit and for people's own career, I don't think they're good no matter what. Black, white, green, or blue. And that's my and that's really my issue with Spike. If Spike just made some kind of like like I told people, my issue with Red Hook Summer was not so much that it was a bad movie, is that he decided to have this plot line about something very real and troubling in our world, and he did it so horribly and disrespectfully. That's my issue with it. If it was just a bad movie, I'd have been like, ah, whatever. You know, but for me, like I get like 
it is it's mediocrity I could forgive. And I, I do think the movie's really bad on like two on another level. I think it's just a badly made movie on many levels, but I think the politics and what it did to like kind of Vietnamese people and how it mm. like re it re the movie like sits there and goes, "Oh, Rambo First Blood Part 2. These Rambo movies are negative." But it totally does a Rambo thing where it takes the American soldiers like emotional journey, makes it the forefront, right? And then re-villainizes the Vietnamese people. It just does. They become in their own country. They become antagonists again. And like in him having some little cockamamie, like little lines about about Vietnam with Jean Reno and Del Rey Lindo doesn't really make that. First of all, neither of them are Vietnamese litigating Mm -hmm. this. So it's like, what the hell is going on? And it's just Spike. It's it's a trip that Spike is actually doing the most American thing. So, like, I'd be fine if it was just a cheesy action movie, right? But it's like he's doing something that actually, from a, from an, especially from an era like the 80s, which I felt was, was, was like one of the most propagandistic era, eras of American movies that we 100%. grew up in. We grew up in a real propagandistic uh, era, man. You know, Delta Force, yes. the Rambo, and all that shit. But he's doing that, and I'm kind of watching it going, Spike, dude. That's when I started to get mad. Like, I have other issues with the movie, like just being to me pretty bad but that's a whole other conversation but marcus i, I i've been talking I'll, I'll let you jump in no um hmm, damn you said a few things so i'm trying to figure out where to like you know like jump in i, I you know one thing well you going back to like the 80s or just the action movie trope in general spike lee's doing something that it's funny are done to black people all the time it's like i mean to me you and me we went we both went to go see expendables like when it came mm-hmm. out and then I remember, like, right away, it's like, all right, I guess you could, you know, you can make the African guys the the, 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 the bad guys in this opening right. scene. It's just the way they go about doing it. And then it just brings me back to, like, you know, it's like District 9 and all this stuff where it's just, like, all the stuff that happens, like, when you go to these, like, I'm using air quotes, these jungle countries and you make the people that Black are Hawk Down. The, 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 oh, that's the other movie I was thinking of. Black Hawk, Black Hawk Down. Jesus Christ. And then, so now it's, it's funny... And messed up to see it actually, you know, to happen to Viet- to to Vietnamese people from someone who should just... I hate putting this responsibility on him, but it's like, who should kind of know better? But he should! He makes yeah, himself yeah. out to be a person who's, like, socially aware. He should know better. Sorry. But I honestly, yeah. I think when you reach that iconic level, like, just stuff like people who I personally... I'm not going to name names, but Spike Lee is, at this point in life, on that stat of, like... Woody Allen, Martin Scorsese, Spike Lee, where, like, he is kind of, like, there's a caricature of who Spike Lee is. Yeah. And you said it already. He's played into that. Brand. Like, he's done that. And and the thing about that, you learn about these directors firsthand from people. I, I know a couple people who've worked with Spike Lee firsthand. I know people who've worked with Martin Scorsese, uh, on a Martin Scorsese production, rather. Or, like, who kind of know in that Woody Allen world. And they they really are removed from certain things. And, and, and people around them are scared to say hey don't do this and and i think we need i i, I don't th- i i just hate the idea too this this is generally going into filmmaking in general i feel like that really shouldn't die out once you get to a certain age i think if you're going to be making movies you should have that person that elder or that equal to you to be like don't do this or like take this out don't don't do that because it's like like i think that's important to just like constantly and it's funny because martin scorsese 
his career was essentially turned around early on from his elder, John Cassavetes, saying, hey, this movie is shit. Don't do this again. Make this kind of movie. And then he made Mean Streets, and then that kind of... That started the De Niro thing. That started all that stuff. And now it's like... I'm seeing that with a lot of the... I'm using air quote iconic directors. Even a guy like Kevin Smith falls into like his own stuff. And yeah. I think that's a big... I think that's a problem with, with, with a lot of it. It's like... Yeah, I mean, I... I that for me is the issue like spike has become a self caricature i think in his movies and it's like when i walk into a spike lee movie i i'm like kind of kind of waiting for something like i told someone like i i hated the politics of black Klansmen, but i'll give black Klansmen one thing i thought it was more watchable than his last handful of movies i was able to like sit through it and you know get through it i just i thought the sure. politics were just absurd sure. right yeah i mean that was even what what Boots Riley was saying when he was critiquing it, like he wasn't critiquing the craft of the movie. Yeah. He was critiquing the the content that he thought it was dangerous to present propaganda. And this is a dude, Boots Riley, who's been, you know, canvassing and being an activist yeah. in the Bay in the Bay Area and America for, you know, over twenty years. You know, and but- he was just saying, I have issue with the narrative that you're telling Especially since, like, you know, Spike Lee gives confusing stuff. He's he feels beyond criticism. He he, when he was talking about certain things going on in communities in the '90s, but was also a spokesman for Jordan sneakers. Or when hmm. he loses his stuff on people for be when he like I saw him yell at Rhymefest. For critiquing the the movie Chirac, Chirac, yeah, and then he's not very good at criticism, or no, getting, not at or all. Getting, or the fact that he was given money to make the NYPD look good on movies. Boom! You making, said it. And then is making this movie, Black Klansman, which changes the narrative of the actual story, and and he doesn't want to respond to that when when Boots Riley says that stuff. Is it, you know, nah. and 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 so the so I'll say that about Black Klansmen, but I have to say, like, and this is just this is where I sit. I found the Five Bloods also to be an example of where I think Spike as a filmmaker has really fallen uh, fallen off craft wise. It could be Netflix, like Netflix. I know gives a lot of room, like because it was it was Jordan Peele's production company who produced Black 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 Klansmen, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact, um, through people who worked on it, that Spike, though he had final cut, it was like not just him who had final cut. Like he had to go through some quality control checks with with with, with that studio. They weren't gonna let it. Netflix don't do that. Netflix kind of let you as long as as long as they the, the big hurdle you have with them is money. They'll give you the, the check, and after that, you can do what you want. Plus, he has she's got to have it. He do whatever he wanted. It's, that's why I think probably why it's like, it's like a two hour forty minute flick. I think the film is too long, right? And I have no problem with long movies, but the issue with the film is like the the screenplay. It keeps like changing and not like morphing. It's just it's schizophrenic. Well, actually, I, I, I use a better word. It's 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 um it's confused. It's confused, right? Sure. It doesn't it do, it doesn't know where it wants to sit. Like I, I liken Spike to. You know, you know what Spike is like to me? He's like a dude on Twitter who doesn't really have a lot of politics, 
and political knowledge. So he like writes everything in all caps and yells at you. He's kind of like Killer Mike on Twitter. <laughs> Killer I'm Mike sorry. and Spike Lee are very similar. Yeah, he's got Killer Mike on Twitter, right? Like, like, like when I got him an argument with Killer Mike, and I would ask him questions, he would just like call me uh, like a fucked up word. You know what I'm saying? He would just yell at me and call me a fucked up word and talk about why I'm not bigger, why I'm not big and, and famous, like he is, right? And Spike kind of does that, and the movie feels like that. Not it's kind of weird. in the past. I, I, I don't, I don't want to backtrack, but like when Spike Lee has had beef with other mostly all black directors, he's, t- he's, and this is like. In the '90s, Spike Lee, when him and Maddie Rich yeah. had beef, Spike Lee famously called Maddie Rich "Maddie Poor" because he doesn't have any money. Oh, His movies man. don't make money. That's no, so it's true. That's so this so is Spike bad. Lee. This is Spike Lee in '91. This is when Jungle Fever came out. So this was 20 years ago. So Maddie Poor. Like now. Yeah, he called him Maddie Poor. On he did radio interviews. He did magazine in, in, in interviews, and he essentially buried um, Maddie Rich. Kind of got buried after the Inkwell, but yeah. And so I'll say like. I, f- I found the movie to be a chore, and I wrote that on, 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 on Twitter. Like, I felt it to be a chore. I felt like Spike doesn't really trust his audience. I feel like he speaks down to people when he's making movies. I actually feel a bit insulted, and I feel um, it's like it feels condescending, right? And like in a way that I just don't appreciate to the point where I have to be straight up with y'all. I don't know how much longer I can watch Spike Lee movies, man. Like I just can't. I, and and yeah. this is the issue, and this is the issue that I have, because that's a conflict, right? It's a conflict, right? How many black directors that have an almost forty-year career like Spike Lee uh, at this clip of movies in America? None. Black American None. directors, Zeto. He's the only one, right? Like I, I wrote this on Twitter. I was like, yo. If you want a white filmmaker, see, I'm new to movies, right? I want to know about movies, right? Cool, man. I want to know about, I want a white director who has had a long career. I want to start with someone like that. You got everybody from Robert Altman to Martin Scorsese to Alfred Hitchcock. You have tons of names, right? I mean, I could go on and on and on. Ingmar Bergman. Ingmar Bergman. I mean, like, it can go go forever, right? Mm -hmm. Black director who has over 15 movies. Spike Lee and that's it and it sucks I think I think that's the real crime I think the real crime is there should be room for me never to want to watch a Spike Lee movie just like there's room for people who don't like Martin Scorsese to never watch one of his movies and they'd be totally fine right there's no room for me to do that I can't be like I gotta like watch it because it's like it's now become a, a duty and the thing about it is I think Spike don't mind that I don't think Spike minds that. I think Spike likes being what we call in the, our neighborhood the HNIC, which I won't. Uh, if, if you know what that means, you know what that means. <laughs> I don't think he minds it, and like that's my issue, man. Like I, it's 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 a frustrating experience, and I just you know. But yeah, I I I found the film to have an absurdity that I I couldn't appreciate, and and I'm kind of done with him. I'll be real with you, and it sucks. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like I might not be able to be done with him. I might not be. I feel like I might not be socially allowed. You know, (laughs) that's what I'm gonna say. To take it, you know, this also kind of everything you're saying also goes back to the whole like directors who reach that period where they've just been doing this for decades and, and become, you know. It's funny, I always, like, if you were talking about, you know, a Francis Ford Coppola, Martin Scorsese, Woody Allen, most, and, and Spike Lee add, add to that list, or even a Kevin Smith, it gets to the point where I, I, I get which is, I'm not necessarily there yet with Spike Lee, but it's like, 
it's funny to consider people masters, but then it's like it gets to a point where for years now it's like I don't care what they want to like. Exactly. If you're a so master, you something no I want to see everything thing you do, even if I know it might not be that good. Like I could literally like I could not care less what Francis Ford Coppola would be doing next. I haven't cared about Woody Allen for a long time. Scorsese, may, maybe, may, maybe Scorsese. Yeah, Spike I mean, Lee, I'm getting I, there. Kevin Smith, I'm getting there. So it's like, well, I'm I I listen to every Roots album. I listen to every Bjork album, but you know, I'm not as hyped as I used to be when I hear one of them yeah. is coming out. Yeah, I'm like that with the Roots. I don't really listen to their albums anymore. I don't. I'm, and I like I'm the Roots. Getting, Much I'm love. getting close. I'm not. I mean. It's not a diss. The, the Roots and Bjork are two of the most important musicians in my musical acts in my life. Um, and I probably would be, um, I mean, with with Spike Lee, I don't watch every movie he makes anymore. Uh, I will obviously watch The Prince of Cats if or when it's, it's made because yeah. my, friend of the show and friend in real life Ron, ronald wimberly wrote the comic book that the movie's based on i'm definitely going to watch prince of cats because friend of the oh, show and yeah. friend in real life ronald wimberly his you know that's his comic that came out i think over 10 years ago and it will could make for a great movie and for all we know a comeback for you know spike lee I was gonna ask. If, I meant to ask that a while ago if that was still a thing because I haven't heard much rumblings of it. But whatever. Anyway, it's still like listed as like a thing to happen. Okay. I, I was actually I was coincidentally on I don't know why I was on Spike Lee. I was on Spike Lee's IMDb looking up his filmography. That's why, and I, I <laughs> saw it was still like listed as like you know a future project as something in development. Well, what's oh, his okay. name is attached to it? Isn't 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 like Stanfield, Stanfield like attached to it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's or, his passion he, project. But well, he he yeah, he originally uh, uh, optioned it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he has the original option and he brought Spike Lee onto it. You know. So maybe that'd be possibly that Spike ends up not doing it or something. Who knows. Yeah, I really hope. Who knows. So yeah, we 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 were None of us are super hot on the Five Bloods, huh? No. I think it's fine, and I know I'm being generous, but it, it, it doesn't go beyond fine for, for, for me. There, I mean, from little stuff, like, we didn't even bring up, like, how... I know this kind of talk exists, but I feel like early on in the movie, just things that bugged me were that this, to me, felt like Spike Lee talking when they're at the club, and they're saying stuff like, you know... Remember when we were black, being brothers meant something back then, and it's kind of like it means something now. What are you talking about? Like, like that's something like an older, yeah. out of touch person would say. It's like, why, 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 why would you say that? You might as well like the next stop is pull up your pants. Well, it's, it's I and I, I'm with you, and that's the thing where I brought up the World War Two thing. There's this baby boom reverence that Spike Lee is engaging in that I'm like. You know, I didn't use the word OK Boomer, but I feel like saying OK Boomer halfway through that movie with like huh. some of the things that were happening and the conversations because I was kind of like, okay, bruh. OK like, Boomer Esiason? Yeah, exactly. Hi, like, you know, it's like, it's like, bruh, like this is kind of like, what are you talking about? Like this, there's, 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 there's a, a self kind of absorption that Spike has 
about and this is the other thing and this is what i want to get into i think which is why i like tomaso it is doing the complete opposite of uh what spike is doing spike has these like look all of us have hang-ups all of us have things right i don't find spike to be a very introspective person in his movie making right i, I, I don't agree. know if he ever really has been i agree i don't know if he ever really has been um, not saying you have to be, but I don't think that's really ever been his calling card. He definitely has not leaned that way as he's gotten older. Right. But I think it's gotten bad where I think his movies have gone into these kind of like polemics about his own um, identity. Right. The whole ending of like, you know, that, that you know, spoiler alert that the five bloods, you know, they all die and they leave their money to like the Black Lives Matter movement. To me, that's a total another one of his, hey, look, people with money can help the revolution too. Because mm. what? Yeah. He constantly gri- crit- gets criticized for what? Being, you know, a rich guy. And sure. he does not, he does, he, and, and acting like a rich person and he does not like that criticism. So he, he does these things like black Klansman's whole thing was like the whole idea that, you know, people who work with the system can be an aid to the revolution. That was like really the whole thing. Mm. Right. And this is him kind of being like, yeah, you know, money can help the revolution. Yeah. Look, Hey, and, there's some of us out here who are doing it. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm not a neoliberal, so I do not believe in that sort of idea. Same. And also, uh, I just I think I I think we'd be remiss if you know talking about um, black films and the Vietnam War, an excellent film that I found out about from UM to me, uh, Ashes and Embers, um, yeah. which deals with you know black life from disillusionment from the Vietnam War in a much more lyrical. Um, powerful way, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And you know what's great about Ashes and Embers also is like it's it's real. I like how messy that film is because like he's yeah, it is, arguing it is messy. With, a, with like the political left, right? He's actually like even mad at the leftists because mm-hmm. he doesn't feel like they understand what he's going through, and they're talking about it from like politics of the brain. And he's like, I've lived politics in my body, right? I mean that's an amazing film like mm. when it when it comes to it and it's really it's really a powerful film and I wish you know you know Ava DuVernay I, I you know I said before you know I know Ava DuVernay is not a fan of me she she he has me blocked on Twitter but if, if this ever gets back to her I would love to her, if, if if Array could find a way to get that back on Netflix because it was on Netflix it was for on a while Netflix. it was, it was. That, that's how I about it. like two to three years and about a year and a half ago it, it left and I, I I don't know why maybe the it, it ran out I don't know how Netflix does things but I think it's you know it's though it's available it's out there it's at libraries if you live mm-hmm. in like a major metropolitan area you can get it I bought a, a, a DVD of it about a year ago. You can get it, you know, yeah. and if you know me personally and you want to see it, you know, holla at you, boy. I got you. And also a movie that I heard about from from you, M. Tume, was uh, Bill, Bill Duke's first movie, uh, The Killing Floor. Which I just saw, man, which was really good. Great. And it, it's, it, it goes I, great I, with, uh, with, with Madawan. Th- those two movies together. Yeah, it really oh, does. Yeah. Great I could see that. Feature. Yeah, that and Madawan are like you. You could have like a double feature. Like you, if you're teaching a class on like early uh, labor movement stuff, like perfect. perfect. Oh, that reminds me. I still haven't seen that movie that you've been telling me to see for a while. Uh, 
Pin Z17. Bispy. Bispy 17. Oh, I haven't seen that either, but yeah. Yeah. That's on a few streaming sites it's right now. It's on Prime now. I'm, I sort oh. of want to divest from Prime, so, but, uh, I don't know. But I've been meaning to watch it, and when I do watch it, I hope to talk about it, because I've been, I wanted to see it for a while, and it was, I missed it when it was in theaters. Yeah, I want to rewatch it. I, I, I really like that film a whole lot, you know. But yeah, but like the killing go- floor, the killing floor is awesome. I I was really, you know, like I mean, it has that definitely that 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 TV movie element, but that's not necessarily a negative, right? You know, not like um, not it's not necessarily a negative, right? I I heard it's like a criticism people have. It's like a TV movie. I was like, well, that's not what TV movies. Some TV movies are good, and that's an aesthetic that's done some very good things, and and this was one of them. Um, what I was really impressed about it, and this is something that I think the Five Bloods misses also, was I. But I think it's a, it's a, it's indicative of a, of an older era. This idea that everything doesn't have to end on on an uptick, like even the tragedy of the Five Bloods has to like go to an uptick, and like the Killing Floor is like you don't it. They actually don't really succeed, you know, and it kind of makes you realize like, man. Have we really grown in labor in this country? It makes you ask questions, right? Yeah, you know what's and I was crazy. Like, you know, we're not going to give this guy any shout out, but the person with the platform that we all hate that we were talking about just before we hit record, Bill Duke gave a great interview with him. Of all people, um, oh wow! You know the guy that starts with the V, and mm-hmm. when Bill Duke talks about race, like his upbringing, like. It just makes so much sense now when you go back and watch that that movie. Not that like other movies that he made didn't ha- have to do with with racism. I mean, ev- 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 everything he does to some degree, you know. But this movie in particular, his debut in in, in particular, really goes well. I I, de- it, it, I, I definitely ch- check out that that interview on YouTube, even though I'm being incredibly vague and, and won't say yeah. what person yeah. I'm talking about. But yeah, I actually don't even know who you're talking about. Vlad, and... D- Vlad. Oh yeah, yeah. Go watch the Bill Duke interview uh, on Vlad TV, but don't watch anything else. I need to actually watch that. I I I forgot that he had did it's that. Really yeah, good. we were we were talking about it. we were talking about Vlad on record. Oh, I thought it was <laughs> off record. My bad. No, no, no. We were on record. We were on oh. record talking oh. about Vlad. Um, have either of you guys saw um, Hal Ashby's like muted like? Uh, biopic bound for glory about Woody i haven't Guthrie. that's like you know that no. you know that, that that's like literally the one that's one of two hal ashby films i haven't seen well he made a couple in the 80s which are which are rough but i've seen one of his rough ones the other one is his last film i haven't seen so bound for glory he apparently shot like three four hours of stuff he just sort of was like smoking a lot of weed and was like these are parables man and let's just see what happens. And just like filmed on trains and stuff. And it's just like a story that sort of builds the legend of the, you know, anti-capitalist, anti-fascist troubadour traveling the world, traveling America, empowering the poor. And um, I don't know. When I was thinking about the Killing Floor, I started thinking about this one movie as well, and I think it's you know, hmm. Bound for Glory is one of the first movies to use to use the uh, the Steadicam. That's true. Uh-huh. 
And yeah, it's one of one of the first one of the very first films. And it was it was the steady cam was used to be the the rail guns in the movie Aliens. They were trying to figure out like how <laughs> how can we make this cool looking gun that like people could carry and someone was like yo just add lasers to a steady cam. I never knew that. <laughs> That's yeah. great. It's a steady cam. That's actually really cool. If you look oh, at the shit. toys of Ripley, it's just totally her holding a steady cam. Oh shit, that's cool. And yeah, it's just, yeah, like you know, we we're sort of like juxtaposing, you know, three directors in a way, even though we've mostly talked about Spike Lee and some other directors who have been working for 40 years. So you have Almodovar who who made right, a yeah. semi-autobiographical film last year, Pain and Glory, I think it's called. Yes. Yeah. Where Antonio Banderas plays a a gay Spanish director who with nice hair, li- with the same hair as Almodovar, wearing the same clothes that were Almodovar's living in Almodovar's house, and. Mm-hmm. Just him coming to grips with his age and done in a way that only Almodovar can do it. Like there's a subplot where he almost becomes a heroin addict at the age of 70. Yeah. And and I thought it was a really excellent movie. And then you have Tommaso, which is, I think, Abel Ferrara's fifth collaboration with Willem Dafoe. Because I, I, I think, you know, he... Um, had Pasolini, he had uh, 444, The Last Night on Earth, and I think he had one or two other, New Rose Hotel, which New which Rose is Hotel the last. And Hotels. All right, so, and if any of you guys can find a copy of Go Go Tales, um, I can't find, I also can't find a copy of Mary, so if anyone has copies of I that. I used to have a copy of Mary, let me look for it. I used to have there's, a copy There's of like it. crappy Region 2 versions, but... They're not. That's what I. I I had like a a, a rip of a region too, yeah. Yeah, just let me know if you have an Academy screener of either of those. I mean, Abel Ferrara, you know, is a guy who's been around the same amount of time, roughly, as Spike Lee. And to say he's not nearly as famous as Spike Lee would be an understatement. But he's been able to make movies almost every year for a while. Mm -hmm. And Tommaso is is like an amalgamation of him and Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe playing basically him. Uh, you know, Abel Ferrara is trying to be a sober dude living in Rome with his young, with his new child. And in Tommaso, it's about a director living soberly in Rome with a new child played by Abel Ferrara's new child. And, yeah. and in real life, Willem Dafoe is married to an Italian artist, and they yeah. have a young child. It, it gets a little similar so to, like, if, if you go back to Pain and Glory, similar to how, like, one of the subplots of Pain and, Pain and Glory, he's reuniting with an actor that he was associated with for a long time back in the day, which that was Antonio Banderas. Before Antonio Banderas did Mambo Kings and became Hollywood, yeah. him and, and, him and uh, Almodovar were a team. They made like three, four movies together, you know, mm-hmm. in, 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 in a row. But anyway, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so like, there's these little connections, and like Abel Ferrara, 
his movie is not nostalgic at all. It doesn't try to be anything it isn't. It's this this unreliable yeah. narrator who is almost resigned. He almost is resentful of the world that he's in. He's a relic. And and he's not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, he's just saying and, it. And he's just saying it. It's it's a self-reflection that I think Spike Lee doesn't have in The Five Bloods. Um, and about absolutely. himself, I, I I agree. Yeah, you know, I, I was really surprised by Tommaso. I was like, I watched it, and what hit me about the movie um, was, and something you don't really see directors do very often, is like, Abel puts you know his exact current experience as a as as a human being right how to how kind of how he sees and experiences the world and then like there's ways a couple ways you could do it like one way you could do it is you could sit up there and be like well i'm right kind of how i feel spike lee does it right well i'm right and this is how it is right or you could be like totally like i'm so wrong and da, 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 you know and like kind of be like you know really like kind of like uh self debasing right this mm. film i felt was really interesting because it, it didn't feel self-debasing so much as like he can only express where he's at he admits that he's arrogant and then he feels very strongly about it but he really hates that he can't see differently mm. and that's what i found really interesting about it it was like because like you, you're watching the beginning of the film and you're seeing these things happen to him, and I like what you said about Scott about the unreliable narrator. You realize by the end of the movie, you're like, a lot of these things did they really happen? Yeah, yeah you're not and sure. And if they did, and if they didn't happen, this is all about this man's psychosis. And at the end of the film, where he kind of sh- believes himself to be a martyr, but it doesn't shine like this person who wants to be like uh, adored so much as as like. He's saying, I can't see past my own bullshit. And I thought that was really <laughs> interesting. And that's really an interesting way to make a movie. And I was like, why can't Spike Lee do that? Why can't Spike Lee do that? But I think because their life circumstances are different. You know, Like you said, Abel's not as famous. Yes, Abel keeps making movies. But, you know, Abel can't walk into a studio and say, I want to make a, a $10 million movie. No, Ain't no, no place no. in the world is, no. is, is going to do that for him. Right? Nope. Ain't no, no place in the world. Spike can walk into Netflix and say... I want to make a movie with, with, with Delroy Lindo and a bunch of people, right? He can do that, right? I want to make a TV show. She's got to have it. Abel can't do that. So it's interesting to watch this him go through this live and on film. And I, I was I thought Tommaso was really good, you know, and different from Pain and Glory, which I also really liked. I also really liked that film. Yeah. I thought Pain and Glory was was more of a like a like a, like a lyrical kind of sitting down with self because it's the stuff with his mom and his past mm-hmm. you know and 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 he, you know his awakening of, of himself as an artist but also as a as, as a queer man you know all that stuff i thought was i thought that film was very beautiful i was like i was in tears that whole movie like tomaso mm-hmm. and pain and glory i think can't be more similar but also can't be more different in, in great in great ways right because because almodovar and abel ferrara are two completely different types of man exactly two completely different types of artists uh both unabashedly uh religious in the way they present their stories except in different ways um and 
Yeah, just they're. I just love how they are unabashedly themselves now. Yeah, yeah. You know, Pain and Glory is such the kind of movie that Almodovar would make as an older Almodovar referencing Almodovar, and you know, it's like it's like uh, John Malkovich inside the brain of John Malkovich. You know, mm. Almodovar, yeah. Almodovar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that works for me. I don't know that Spike Lee wants to be self-referential, whether he can be, what... I don't know if Spike Lee watches other movies anymore. I don't know what his world is like. You know what I mean? No. Yeah, I mean, you talk in different social circumstances, you know, and... That's also true, yeah. This is just, you know, I... I I watched Pain and Glory, and I watched... um, Tommaso thinking about not knowing that much about them at all personally, the very little that I know. But I'm watching it and I'm watching people who are like kind of feel like they're like past their prime and are like dealing with that. You know, past their 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 like their high point. While Spike, you know, I get the sense that he thinks he's like better than ever. <laughs> Which, you know, I don't want to deny him, you know, feeling good about yourself in your sixties, but geez. Sure. I think, yeah, also, I think that's a fun exploration. Again, like, be messy. And, like, because I think Pain and Glory, while it looks nice and it's great, like, it is a messy movie intentionally. Mm-hmm. Tommaso's both, both visually messy, I mean, in a good way, and plot-wise messy. No, there's a lot. That, I mean, they're that, both, yeah, they're both very messy. I mean, there's literally a couple scenes where a 60-year-old Almodovar is smoking heroin. To yeah. deal with with back pain, <laughs> and which I thought was awesome, and and Willem Dafoe and rough. It's rough. I mean, it's awesome because the, I've dealt with older addicts and I've dealt with addicts in my life, and I thought it was I thought it was awesome to show that because drug addicts aren't all like quote unquote like crusty nineteen year old non functioning or non functioning or non functioning. Yeah. A lot but of this, a lot of people are functioning drug addicts for a very long time that are just able to do it no but i was the, the point I was, I, the, I was being long-winded but it, it like that in itself is a fun thing to watch like just the director work out their shit and be insecure you know about it and going back i, I I'm, not, I'm not trying to make this thing about bashing spike lee but spike lee would never like show weakness whatsoever whereas like i think when you get to a point we're both Almodovar and and Abel Ferrar, they've both kind of done it all, seen it all, so it's kind of like they have nothing to really hide or nothing to really... Yeah. Especially, you know, Abel Ferrar's always been open just about everything that he's done, so it's kind of like, what can you say to me that I don't already know? But let me try to work that out. And, you know, it's nice enough to like to work it out for an, an, an audience. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, these movies are still kind of works in progress to some degree because it's like... Both Almodovar and the, you know, like he'll be making more movies. Abel Ferrar will, will be making more movies. It, it's like they're just kind of stopping. Like, where am I right now? And, and also, kinda... what are what are we supposed to do? We're we have a film critic criticism podcast, I guess it is. So we're going to, you know, if if Spike Lee, I believe that Spike Lee can make a brilliant movie again, and if he does. We're going to be on here talking about how good it is. 
It's not like we totally. It's not like we want him to. We're not happy when he makes a movie. Like I don't even think this movie's bad. I just don't think this movie's great. Mm-hmm. But I think because it is coming from a person who did make Do the Right Thing, who did make Mo Better Blues, who did make Bamboozled, you know, you're just sort of like this is this is not one of the greater ones in the canon. But we're not here just we're not here shitting on Spike Lee. And we're not here doing it for fun. We're we're trying to evaluate art. And that's that's also what M. Tume said to us in episode 100. Don't be afraid to not like things and don't and don't be afraid to to really question and think about things. Sure. Right. Hello. Yeah, no, we can. Yeah, no, no, we're 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 we're. We're, we're like sitting with that. That's real. And also back to the fact that it's two and a half hours. You know, we talked about this last week. <laughs> you know, King of Staten Island is also two and a half hours. You know, I watch three hour movies like it's nobody's business. Uh, I've watched Elephant Staying Still, which is damn near four hours. I've watched, yeah. watched Decalogue or whatever. You, you know, you can, if it's good... I will watch, I will sit and watch a movie for as long as possible. So Yeah. But just just help me out with the editing a little more sometimes, guys. You know, make it worth it. Dude. Exactly. Like I, I sat and I watched the um I, I bought the, the Blu ray of Husbands and Husbands is a two and a half hour movie and I did not care. No, not not I at was all. having a great time. I can't lie. The Five Bloods. I kept doing the whole like pause and look every twenty minutes. Like how much more? Mm-hmm. I just kept doing it. It just, it's just. But that I, I, that's I, I you know it's funny because Spike Lee at, at one point, without meaning to or maybe does Spike Lee kind of forces you because spoilers early on and this although it's not much of a spoiler because early on they got what they came to find. And right. and then I remember yeah. looking at my now and, and so and I remember looking at, and I'm talking about the five bloods. I looked at my watch and I was like, oh, we got a lot more to go, which yeah. is, is a cool indicator because it's just like at, at first and, and now that I've seen it, eh, maybe not so much, but at at that moment it's just like, oh, so this the air quote again hard part is solved. Oh, how are they going to get out of here? And that's the movie which take five bloods out of it i do like that from indiana jones to national treasure to everything it's always like you get the gold you get the thing and then the movie right. ends it's like no you still gotta go back how are no, you yeah gonna what go are you gonna do with all, all this gold gold and you're, you're right. like these people are literally 70 you think they're gonna be able to walk with heavy ass gold one one uh, with bad legs one <laughs> you know with, who's taking oxy uh another one who's like they all and and even if not 70 is 70 even if you're in great shape which none of these guys are too it's just a whole, like, I'm not going to give anything else away, but once you see the movie and you get to a certain point, and then when it's over, the Five Bloods does have you kind of going like, so what was your point once you got what you came for? Like, what what, what was the exit yeah. strategy? Cause, well, yeah, because even, like, another movie similar to this that came out on Netflix last year, Triple Frontier, which is about uh, yeah. some guys looking for money and figuring out how to get out of it, in that movie, they're in shape, young, you know, newly ex-military, and they're yeah. still having trouble. Yeah, and then, exactly. you know, 
I went to see with Bill Scurry Our Time, Ray Goddess's last movie last sure. year. And that movie's three hours, and it is three hours, you know? It, it, it's a hard three hours. I love that uh, movie, but it, it is it is that. But I never checked my watch. I was like, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. You know, so, so to me, it's not, it, you know, Old Man in the Sea is, is a short book, but it doesn't feel like it, you know? And east of eden is a is a long book and it doesn't feel like it it's all about yeah it's all about the presentation and yeah it's, yeah. it's the journey that's taking you on and and how it's ushering and like i'm sorry like i don't really want to be for two hours two, you know i don't want to be talked at for two hours and 40 minutes i don't you know and you talking to me you know hey i'm a tarkovsky guy people know that about me that means i got no problem with length yeah yeah <laughs> I got no problem with like yeah. I like Bella Tar movies. I got yeah, no problem with like I did seven and a half hours of Satan Tango and I I could do it again. Sure. <laughs> and I'm good. Yeah, and um Shanta Ackerman, I love her. Like and she she can Yeah. yeah. Her, and her, also, her movies can I feel like her. seven hours. And also, yeah, we had uh we had Patrick Hor- Horvath and Dallas Halm on the show the other day, and they also they agree that Tarkovsky probably ate turnips. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I was watching uh, Mirror recently, and I- I'm reminded turnips for sure. <laughs> you like boiled-ass turnips. <laughs> the Mirror, yeah. Uh, I want to I want to do... I want to... I don't think I can watch Tarkovsky movies right now in the quarantine, but... I look forward to I look forward to watching those again in the theater, man. I look forward to I look watching, forward to watching movies in a theater, theater again, man. Oh, don't get me sad, man. Sure. I don't even know what phase that is, but I think that's out of phases. That means like when phases think, are done. When phases are done. <laughs> phases are done, phases unstun, like no more. Well, that got me legitimately depressed. Uh, Sorry, oh, man. We can't end that way. I'm sort of like maybe maybe it can. Um. Jesus. <laughs> um. The moral of the story is is that uh, life is suffering. We are born to die. And everything is meaningless. However, once we are aware of this fact, we can create our own meaning and create our own joy, therefore creating true happiness and meaning. And with that, I bid you zebras adieu. Yeah. One, two, one, two. Ghetto blast of music. Asia Grand Mixer is here. Even though they want to shoot us down, we keep going, baby. Yeah. Half those fighting on chain. Large drums. More beats. Spitting up for my health, no time to battle MCs, too busy battling self. Universal soldier rocking Orion's belt. 
Linen threads of time, stitching Mary and felt Last straw, both your camels back got brawn King's heart, no Prince LeBron Y'all watching thrones of what deserves holding forth Drinking moonshine, blind ways to crash court It's all a blood sport, parasite, vice scars Get the tights, white wash, white girl moths Order your black face, combat with analog Now my ass black ball, cause who's black star? Fall from grace, Luciferian grace That scared religion in the mace Get right with the guard, left field your thought plane Tiger blood battle cap flow like lion's mane Kill that mother I said feel that sucker 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 Yo, take a pause for the cause real quick I think that's too hard for him, you know what I'm saying? But you know what? I'm not one to be apologetic. <laughs> nah, I'm saying. DJ, let him know. Little scratch for the baby. Only built for ghetto blasters. On your lung, wing chung, tongues of grand masters. Spirits of vengeance who burn false pastors. Yellow rap bastards, charlatans, spell casters. Fake black shit, Kobe's pawns, pawns. Catching bullets with my teeth, Nino under armor. Good book ain't short stuff inside a parker. Hydroponic blood like a tranquilizer monster. Grass greener when you don't got the envy. Backdoor crasher practice, illegal entry. Play John Jackson to your public assembly. Stadium Remley, bum rushed by MC. Wherever Fat hats, herringbone, timbo Sucker duck and cover, get it low like the limbo Rise to occasion, nickname crescendo Realize potential, black gifted and mental Kill that mother I said feel that sucker 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 Kill that mother. I said, feel that sucker. 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 Ha ha!